Welcome to Order Up, the restaurant operations podcast brought to you by Ops Analytica. We are super excited to announce the new Ops Analytica contactless auditing suite. Within the Ops Analytica platform, your auditor can be safe at home, protecting their health and also protecting the health of your restaurant team. They can be working uh, with your general manager to collaboratively audit the restaurant. They'll be talking, they'll be chatting, they'll be taking photos, they'll be coaching, and they will be creating action plan tasks for that general manager, and they will be doing it remotely. But because they are doing it remotely, you will be able to increase the audit cadence for your restaurants, and your auditors will be able to do more audits per week because they will not be wasting time and money behind the windshield. So if you want to learn more about contactless auditing and how it can transform your business and can save you money, please go to opsanalytica.com and check out contactless auditing. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Order Up podcast. Uh, this is Tommy Anulis, your host. And welcome. I want to uh, thank you guys for listening in. And I also want to introduce you to my guest today uh, is Taylor Bell from the Riot Hospitality Group. How are you doing, Taylor? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Oh, living the dream, buddy. I, you're in Arizona. He's in Scottsdale. It's got beautiful weather today. I'm in Colorado. We have like 10 inches of snow. So, you know, I think you're doing better than me. Yeah, it's a nice and sunny 70 degrees outside. Oh, wonderful. Well, Taylor, just the deal with the uh, Order Up podcast is I ask every guest the same five questions. And, uh, and then at the end, we just, we just chat and have a great conversation. So let's get started today. Uh, explain what you do today and then take us through your career progression from your first job to where you are today. Sure. So today I'm the chief people officer for Riot Hospitality Group. It means I'm the head of HR for this group. We uh, own and manage uh, a number of different uh, restaurant and bar nightlife type concepts. Some you might have heard of like Dirk Bentley's Whiskey Row, um, El Jefe here in Arizona and in Chicago. And then we've got uh, Hand Cut and Farm and Craft also here. Um, so it's a, a nice mix of restaurant and nightlife. Um, and, uh, I'm a, I'm a one man shop. So I run the HR, uh, function for the, for the entire company, which is pretty fun. Um, and, uh, career progression, I guess my first job, uh, was in a restaurant. I was a host, uh, cause I was like 15 or 16, um, in a restaurant in Phoenix that anyone in Phoenix would know it's not here anymore, but it's called Cork and Cleaver. Um, now it's Steak 44, which is super fancy. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was a host, which is uh, fun, a, a nice way to uh, get introduced into the hospitality world. Um, and then uh, I didn't actually spend, my career is not in hospitality, it's in uh, legal and oh. HR. Um, so uh, college, and I went to law school down at the University of Arizona, uh, practiced law, doing a lot of employment law um, at a law school, and then started my own HR company called HR Pivot, where uh, we were an HR services company for other businesses. We were like an in-source HR type of role. And I ran that company for a number of years. And Riot Hospitality Group was one of my clients. I worked with them for three years. And then uh, they uh, pulled me in in-house. And I, I became their full-time chief people officer uh, about a year ago. So I've been doing that now for a year. Wow. And it's been, um, it's been pretty fun. Nice. I used to do, so we were talking before the show, for like, prior to starting Ops Analytica uh, and working back in the restaurant industry, I guess 
pre-MBA, so post-hotel restaurant degree, pre-MBA. I was a stand-up comic for like 12 years, and I toured all over the country, and I was always at the laughs down there on, uh, off of, I think it's at Broadway in mm-hmm. Tucson. Yeah. Which is real close to U of A, I think, right? Yep, for sure. Yeah, so I was down there like four or five times a year doing stand-up. So yeah, I'm pretty familiar with that town. Yes. I have some really good Tucson stories. Oh, uh, I bet. It's a town <laughs> made for stories. Uh, oh, I know. So yeah, I've hung out with more interesting, uh, not to get too sidetracked, but I've hung out with more interesting people at that Tucson bar at the Laughs Comedy Cafe. I mean, I've been drinking with bikers, you know, like it's insane, like the what? that that club and that yep. was a lot of good times down there for sure um so cool so you basically are a lawyer and then yep. and you moved into hr and then you one of your biggest clients right i i would suspect one of your bigger clients was like hey man come and just be the hr guy for us and so now you guys and i think you have like what nine or ten restaurants is that what i saw i'm sorry if I don't yep know. yeah we've got uh i think ten um and uh, growing, so uh, we've got a pretty but good. These, but everybody who doesn't know, if you haven't seen that Dirk Bentley restaurant, like the one in Nashville, is like what, three or four stories. Yeah, it's yeah, three I stories. Mean, these are, yep. These, yeah, these are big five to ten, fifteen million dollar a year restaurants. I would assume, correct? Yeah, they're big. They're big deal. And then the nightlife stuff, you know, is a pretty, uh, pretty high revenue. Uh, type of environment as well but um yeah and we're we're just broke ground on a new whiskey row in denver right across the street from the uh colorado rocky stadium and it's going to be ginormous as well just like we, we have a really big one in gilbert arizona and so um yeah they're big they're big establishments they're not little mom and pop shops what's the address on that dirks on the one in denver because i used to work down that I live in Denver, so or south of Denver, I should say. I don't know what the address is, but I know that you—it's literally across the street from the stadium, uh, so you can you can see it. Um, oh, that's so awesome. right. Yeah, it's right I was there downtown. Nineteenth and Blake—that's one of the—that's a block from the stadium, and uh, there was a Dick's Last Resort there for a while, and I waited tables at that one. So that's a fun area down there, and that's a good nightlife space uh, for yep. them. So that'll be it. You'll make a lot of money down there. That's exciting. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. So, H, okay. So you answered the first question. Good job. Uh, moving on. <laughs> I told you this is a very hard podcast with a lot oh, of yeah. high pressure stakes. Uh, what Sweating is the big project and initiative that you? Oh, I know. I, I, I'm like grilling you. It's this is it, this isn't fun for the guests, people. I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> What is the big project or initiative that you are working on right now? Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, elephant in the room has been COVID. Uh, I'm sure you've talked about it with some other guests and stuff. Um, you know, my HR perspective, that's been the dominating um, subject since last February, really, um, and hasn't gone away. Um, you know, right now, with the the way that the metrics are moving across the country, we, we operate in three different states. So trying to stay up to speed in each of those localities, but the, the numbers are getting better everywhere. And so, you know, now the focus is uh, getting us back to where we were. Um, you know, we've been operating most yeah. of our locations at 50% capacity, curfews, things like that. And um, so staffing is probably the big project right now we're hiring because um, it's, it's really picking up. People are feeling safer. People are getting vaccinated. Um, and so, you know, business is starting to boom and we gotta we gotta get the staffing levels back up to where they were before so that we can service everybody and not burn anyone out um so that's probably the biggest 
initiative right now, um, you know, that, that I'm working on. Well, yeah. And I mean, it, you know, I mean, our industry obviously has gotten hit way harder than a lot of other industries because we are about the experience of getting people together. And it's so tough because, you know, I mean, I've waited tables and I've managed, uh, like, you know, very expensive restaurants or, or very high revenue restaurants as well. And I mean, not only are we trying to get people into the restaurants, right? And get the customers in, but we have to have the staff to service them. But then it's also hard to keep a staff when they're not making any money, right? Like if you right. can't get the good shifts, if you're a service person, um, you're not making any tips, you're making 20 bucks at lunch, you know? And I've had that experience too, where I, I would go and park in Santa Monica and wait tables and I'd walk out of there after paying for parking with like 10 or 15 bucks. And you're like, what am I doing? You know, yep. I can't live off this. So it's, it's, and then, you know, like in Colorado, we were open, open, open. And then the winter came, they shut it back down to 25% because we started to spike. And then all of a sudden you're laying all these people off and then getting them back in and getting them trained. And it's just, that's just how it must've been a nightmare for you guys. Yeah, it's been tough. I mean, you know, our first shutdowns were March last year, and we we really tried to do as well as we could by our our team members. Um, you know, we furloughed instead of laying off, so that you know as soon as we could open back up, we'd we'd be ready to go. And then um, you know, we we got some of the PPP funding when we're able to you know pay staff that weren't working, um, which uh, you know was was a really nice thing to be able to do. And then. But then once we we ran out of that and we're operating at low capacities and uh, you know we had to trim um, trim where we were just to stay afloat and um, so it's exciting really to be able to be on the hopefully the tail end of it um, you know and now we're now we're looking for people it's it's been a, a grind to find um, you know people for back a house I think um, you know a lot of those folks are are uh, are sticking with the jobs they have um, just because it's been so uncertain so. Um, yeah, it's been up and down uh, and a challenge, but uh, it's nice to finally, hopefully, it, it seems like seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, I mean, say what you will about the prior administration. I'm, this isn't a political show in any way, shape, or form, but I don't think you could have executed PPP better. Like, it, it got out quick. The money came. Like, and if you, you know, and it was useful and it, you know, it, it, I mean, we got it too. And it was like, it was wonderful. You know what I mean? Yeah. It really did help out a lot. Yeah. If you were able to so. figure out what you had to do to apply and, and get the loans, which was complicated. And I think the, the challenge yeah. was that some of the data that you needed to provide, you know, some of the smaller establishments, it, you know, if they didn't have a really sophisticated operation, might've had a hard time, have a hard time with that. But um, I agree. I mean, it was definitely a lifesaver. And I'm hoping that uh, in, in one of these next bills with the restaurant act or, um, restaurant rescue plans, things like that, that uh, we might get some more support here uh, in the next few weeks. That would be wonderful. Yeah. And also too, it made you rethink if you, if you didn't have to deal with PPP, it made you look at who your bank was because sure. we are with a giant bank and, uh, and we have our, our businesses with a giant bank. And then personally, one of my business partners is with a smaller bank and we ended up going with the smaller bank. Because the bigger bank couldn't get out of its own way. You yeah, know? they, we were they just like, couldn't we, care we, about we a small guy. Somebody. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Which, it, Yeah, which just as a general thought, if you're in a business and you're in charge of banking, do business with a local bank 
there's a lot of benefits of doing business with a local bank because you can pick up the phone and call somebody and go, hey, Bob, I need this PPP. What are we doing? You know, because yep. I mean, it, literally, if you think about it, too, like if your bank was dragging its feet or couldn't get their act together, which is our big bank couldn't do. You know, every week you're like going, I'm running out of cash. I'm running out of cash. I don't want to fire this person because if I fire them, I can't get the PPP. So, yep. but you're also like, you don't have money to pay your bills. So every day during that period of time yeah, was, it was make crucial. or break for some of these businesses. Yeah. Yep. And so it, it was nuts. Oh man. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, whew, I know this whole COVID thing, like, yeah, I don't know. So we do uh, operations management software. That's what our company does. And we help multi-unit operators operate. And so we did a lot too with the employee screenings. So I do have a question about that real quick. Were you guys doing employee screenings, like health screenings? Are you managing all that? Yeah. Um, so were you doing that um, kind of stuff or did you just not? Yeah. I mean, this kind of ties into what I think is your next question, keeping me up at night. I mean, yeah. um, uh, yeah. through this whole COVID thing, it's been you know, how do we operate safely, both for the public and even maybe more importantly for our team members, um, you know, because it's yeah. a highly infectious disease coming into work, um, you know, puts anyone at risk. And so, uh, you know, the thing that I've been focused really a lot on and, and truly does keep me up at night is, you know, are we doing what we can to keep our team members safe? And so, yes, really early on, we implemented uh, when we reopened uh, in the summer, we implemented health screens uh, at, at the door at check-in for when they come for their shift. So we screen for temperature, and then we ask uh, a handful of questions about symptoms. Um, and those questions have sort of evolved uh, over time as we've learned more about, you know, how people are experiencing it. You know, originally we weren't asking about uh, sense of smell or taste, but then realized, especially our, sure. our workforce is pretty young, and so their their bodies uh, fight tend to fight this uh, COVID disease. Uh, pretty well. Um, and so they might not even notice that they're sick, but, you know, you ask them, can you smell? And they think about it and like, oh, I, I guess I haven't been able to smell right for a day. It's like, okay, well, you can't come in. Um, so yeah, we've been doing health yeah. screens uh, for a long time. Um, we uh, we bought some of those uh, uh, fogging machines to to fog the, the venues uh, very regularly yeah. um, to completely disinfect everything. You know, we've got the um, hydrogen peroxide cleaner that we're hitting every table with between guests and uh, limiting touch points and all, all those, all those key pieces, plus, you know, mandatory masks and, and that sort of thing. And so we've, we've been pretty fortunate. I mean, it's impossible to, to, for, I think for any restaurant to say they, they didn't have any COVID uh, positive cases, but we've really been able to mitigate it. And we haven't had any big breakouts or spreads because uh, our staff have been on top of it. Our management's been on top of it and we're really tracking it and holding everybody accountable for it. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's interesting because I had uh, another chain uh, that I was dealing with, and so they, the, and so they were trying to do everything right by everybody. And then what was interesting for those guys was, uh, you know, that they had some employees that were going out and getting tested just so they could get some paid time off too. Oh. <laughs> Like yeah, they were trying to work the system in the other way, you know, like uh, sure, so they could get a two week vacation. Full yeah, well, I mean, if if so. they come back positive, I don't want them working for two weeks anyway. So, um, exactly, you know, it's, be it's better to but know if they're sick the than not. Restaurant. Yeah, for sure. So oh, absolutely. For yeah, sure. we've we we've been testing a lot too for people that have symptoms, and 
um, just trying to stay proactive. And um, but I mean, our, our team members do pretty well on the take home. Um, our venues are even though it's been uh, tough times, they've been still busy. And so people are walking home with pretty good paychecks, but definitely beat out on on what they'd make on sick time uh, for their hourly rates. So uh, we haven't I don't think we've experienced that uh, so much. Um, yeah, just because this was a fast food joint. Yeah, so that's a difference. Tips. So they no, yeah, so good for paid. Definitely vacation. understand. There's probably <laughs> some funny business going on there. Oh, absolutely. Yep. So yeah, COVID. It, yeah, and I like you said. I, hopefully, we're coming out of tail end. It's going to get warm. People will be able to open their patios again soon, uh, which is going to allow a lot more fresh air to be blowing through the buildings. And you know, it, it's like. You know, COVID hit in May and it was bad in some places. I mean, excuse me, March. It was bad in some places. But, you know, in Colorado, we really have a, we had a spike in last fall or last winter, I should say, because of the ski mountains and all these people from around the world coming in to go skiing. But then when the spring hit and because Colorado, similar to uh, Colorado is similar climate to Arizona, obviously we don't get nearly as hot, but we're a big patio town. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what color like Denver and Colorado's a big patio town. And so during the summer, our numbers were way under control because everybody just had, you know, we're a patio town. Everybody has those garage doors, all their doors were open, people were sitting outside. And so they weren't just, it wasn't picking up. So, I mean, we're really close to that, right? Like, I mean, we're a couple weeks away from patio weather and at least in our in our neck of the woods and it obviously sounds like it's uh, way down in arizona as well and so you can have you know you can get people back out there and get them uh into the restaurants yep. let me ask you this as we're talking about covid did you guys have a good takeout carry out delivery app already set up like delivery service already set up so that when when march hit and you got locked down were you able to stay open and, and sell food yeah. out the door at least so or did you have to close the doors um, I mean, some of ours are it, in Arizona, it was based on um, what type of liquor license you held, uh, who could stay open and who couldn't. Oh. Um, and our oh. our more traditional bar nightlife uh, fall under the wrong category. Uh, and so those had to be completely shut down. We weren't allowed to open them in any way for a while. Um, and our more restaurant focused uh, venues were able to be open for to go. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they're they weren't big to go venues to begin with, but um, you know, we pivoted sure. pretty hard and it was all hands on deck because that was the only way we had revenue coming in. And um, I'd say the team uh, really built out a, a fantastic um, to go platform that's now uh, doing really well. Um, you know, it was definitely probably just a missed opportunity in the past that now they're capitalizing on um, and will probably continue through past COVID times. Uh, and then eventually the the bars and, and uh, nightlife venues were allowed to open as restaurants. So the f focus still had to be on food. And that's that's where we are today still in Arizona. So bars and nightclubs, nightlife can be open, but you have to operate as if you're a restaurant. Um, so you got to be serving food and the focus has to be on that. And um, you can't congregate, can't have people standing. Um, you know, there's no walking around inside. So they're they're still today operating as as restaurants. Um, we're hoping for those restrictions to get lifted here uh, in the not too distant future because um, it's it's a little one-sided. I mean, they're not treating restaurants this, as, as strict as they are bars. Um, and so you can walk by any restaurant in town and, and they're packed and, you know, people are uh, enjoying themselves. And then our, our bars are, uh, are kind of the no fun zone. Um, so, uh, but I, I think that's going to change pretty soon. 
You know, it's interesting because the CDC released that report in, uh, in the summertime sometime, and it was like 50% of the people who were getting COVID were getting, had been in a bar or a restaurant two weeks prior, right? But mm -hmm. then that number was just a number. But then the other number that came out of that report was at like 65, and I'm making that number up. These numbers are like rough numbers. But some a slightly higher percentage of that were getting the, they were all getting COVID from family member. Like the larger number was you were getting it at home from a family member, but they also happened to have been in a bar. And you're like, well, that's so, you know what I mean? If they're yeah. all getting it from family members, it doesn't matter that they happened to be in a bar in the last few weeks. They, they're getting it from a family member. So that's really, we are we going to ban family members, you know? Right, yeah. But people jumped on that report and used that report as the basis for shutting it down. And then also remember back like in Chicago, like St. Patty's Day last year, everybody was out partying and getting drunk. And then that like caused a giant spike. So Yeah, yeah, I think there's cool. a balance. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think there's a balance for allowing people to, to make their own choices. Um, but also, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it's wrong to have restaurants and bars, you know, putting in extra pre precautions to try to limit and mitigate the the spread. Because, I mean, everything we're doing to mitigate public spread is also benefiting the employees and helping keep them safe. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what is the one thing you thought that the industry would be doing right now that it isn't? It's hmm. a good question. Um, I mean, and that could be HR or restaurants. You could go either one on that. Cool. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, on the HR focus, uh, one is that a, a lot of places just don't have HR. A lot of restaurant groups don't have true HR. You know, they kind of put it as a, a secondary thing. Uh, or once we get big enough, we'll hire. And you know, I, I, I'm biased because I'm in HR, but I, I think that that's the wrong way to look at it. I think that really, once you move past having one location, um, it makes sense to have an HR team member who can help you out with, uh, you know, some of the challenges that are are tougher. And, you know, as an owner operator, you know, you've got to focus on uh, revenue always and, you know, keeping the business going. And it can be easy to let other things that are important kind of sit by the wayside and, um uh, you know, especially as we've seen this year, uh, there are challenges that come with compliance and it's easy to get into hot water. Uh, there's a spotlight on the restaurant industry for better or worse right now uh, when it comes to you know, serving the public and um, and that sort of thing. And so I think um, I'm, I'm surprised that it hasn't been as popular to hire um, HR team members in the restaurant industry as it has been in others, you know, that are highly regulated. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense. No, it absolutely does. And real quick, I know you're not doing this anymore, but because for a lot of people, it is a dollars and cents thing. Yep. And it's like to have a really good professional HR person could be anywhere from 50 to $150,000 a year. You had an outsourced HR company for a while there. Uh, tell us the value out of that. Because if I can't go out and buy a natural HR person, but I could go spend a grand or two grand a month on a service, what kind of stuff were you doing as an outsourced HR service in the past? Yeah, it's and a, you, and sort of, I would 100% yeah, recommend, recommend it for restaurants. Way. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a, it, depending on, the, and there, there are a number of them out there. Um, 
uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend a PEO, um, but uh, you know, a true HR service company could be really beneficial for a restaurant group because you get uh, you get um, a lot for the money, and you're not paying for someone to just sit around for 40 to 50 hours a week if you don't have all the work for them. Um, so, like we, I mean, we would build out process, hiring processes. We did a lot of recruiting, um, which is you know a, a, can always be a big challenge in the restaurant industry because there's just naturally a lot of turnover. Um, you know, building out processes. Uh, to make things simpler. And, you know, a lot of things in HR are, you know, everyday things are repeatable. They, they happen multiple times a week or a month. And so it's just nice to have a process around that so that you're not reinventing the wheel every time, you know, you got to discipline someone or every time uh, you, you want to promote somebody or someone wants PTO or take time off or whatever, like having process around those things just makes your life easier and it helps you scale. You know, if you have aspirations of growing a restaurant group, process is pretty key. I mean, it should come naturally to uh, owner operators because on the front of house and back of house, everything's process driven if they're a really successful, um, you know, venue and same goes for, for admin and uh, HR stuff. Yeah. And, and I think you really nailed it with the process, right? Because the people don't give the restaurant industry enough credit. I think like I, so prior to Ops Analytica, which is our our restaurant operations uh, management platform company. That's what I do today. We did business process management consulting uh, in the like Fortune 500. Though. So it was a little tech business that we had going on there. And, uh, you know, when people talk about process, they talk about like, you know, manufacturing process or, you know, all of these other things. But truthfully, the restaurant industry is probably the most highly adept process industry i would say it's up there with like tied with business process businesses as process oriented i mean if you think about you know like yum has turned a taco bell into 45 checklists you know what i mean yep. and what makes us what makes our ability to do process that makes us better at process than everybody else. And I'm talking everybody else. I, I put us up there with the military, NASA, you name it, the restaurant industry is up there at that process level is one thing, perishability. Like, sure, yeah. like banks and manufacturing, all these other people have processes, but we have all the same processes that they have, right? But we have the aspect of a food product that will go bad on you very quickly. We have the, 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 uh, the notion of perishability of opportunity, meaning if I'm not open for lunch, I can never get that lunch back. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And also what also complicates things. So you, and this is why I would say we're probably better than NASA is that we don't have, we're not staffing these buildings with 500 astronaut level people. You know right. what I mean? We're not all physicists and doctors and astronauts. We're, we're staffing this with people um, that, uh, you know, depending on what level they are within the restaurant food chain, um, may not even have a high school degree yet. They might not even speak English as a first language. So the fact that we can, we can do this at this level, operate these restaurants at this level around the world with uh, not a room full of physicists and astronauts and deal with perishability like we need to give ourselves a gigantic pat on the back and be like, Hey, we're pretty darn good at this. Right. 
Yep. Uh, I think it's it's interesting. And like you said, you cannot grow if you don't have systems in place. You cannot scale. Yep. The only people who are making money are the people who can scale their business and repeat the consistency of the product every single day, every single shift. So if you are an entrepreneur, you're out there and you're thinking to yourself, I want to grow. I want to be bigger. I want to have two locations, three locations. Then you at your single location need to be operating it like you have 20 locations when it comes to a systems perspective. And you have to have all of those things in place so that when you add number two, because actually the hardest jump, by the way, too, just for anybody in the world to understand, the hardest jump is not five to 100. It's one to two. That's true in programming. And that's true in business as well. Like yeah. going from one to two is, is insurmountably harder than two to 10. Because once you get the systems in place, you're just plugging another thing into the system. And yep. it just goes. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So that was the fourth question. So we're coming up to the fifth question. It's a war story. You got to give us a war story. Uh, sure. Kind of funny, horrible thing that made you groan that you can't believe you did or got through. Um, yeah. You know, we want to, we want to, yeah, well, I mean, your pain. <laughs> yeah. In HR, I mean, you get to see people on their best days, you know, when you're making an offer, uh, hiring someone who really needs that job, that kind of thing. And then you see people at their worst. Um, you know, it's not working out. They made a, a giant mistake and it's their last day kind of thing. And, um, you know, being an employment lawyer, I end up having that last day conversation a lot in my last role. Some of my clients, when I would show up, they called me the Grim Reaper because, uh, you know, it, it meant probably someone was about to get termed, um, which is unfortunate, but <laughs> just kind of how it goes. Um, and, uh, you know, s s people are crazy. Uh, they will always be crazy. Um, and, uh, they never cease to amaze me how weird it can get. Um, uh, you know, one time we were, it was a termination conversation with someone who, who made some poor choices with substances and was clearly on one at, in the moment. And uh, uh, he didn't seem all, all right, seemed kind of off. And I, I walked him out and he started talking and then projectile vomited straight onto me. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, oh. So that, yeah, that was terrible. Um, and really gross. Uh, I've been followed to the parking lot by, you know, angry, angry uh, people who who blame me for what happened. Um, you know, even uh, not related to hiring or firing, but one one uh, time we had to deal with a, a bed bug infestation that was brought in by an employee in a, a corporate office. Oh. Uh, that was weird and disgusting. Um, yeah, just all kinds of weird stuff. I mean, people people do weird things, man, um, and they will. All, everyone will always do it. I'll never be shocked by what I hear someone doing uh, because it's just, you know, I don't know, something about people. You have one of the top five uh, answers to that question. Probably number two. Yeah. Probably <laughs> the number two answer to that question uh, since the history of the podcast. So congratulations on that one, my friend. You yeah. got puked on. So <laughs> the bed bugs, because the thing about bed bugs, right? Like, and just in general, is that like, you know, yeah, you can definitely have bed bugs because you live in squalor, but you could also be like a, you know, a very meticulously clean person. And unfortunately, yeah, they don't discriminate bed bugs. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Exactly. 
Yeah, and so, uh, you know, it's funny because it's those are those weird picadillo things where, like, you know, we all like we just look at that person a little different now. Ooh, infested, unclean, and that person could have just, you know, who knows why they got bed bugs? You know? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. So that was funny. a that was a rough one. It's a tough con. It, it it's right up there with having a tough conversation with somebody, which I've had to do about um like body odor, uh in the workplace stuff like uh, that. Like, there's just not really a good yeah. way to have that conversation without it just being you know really uncomfortable. So, I was a manager at this comedy club, and we had a lot of like you know uh, crazy guys working there for a while. And it was a it was one of those places, unfortunately, where the culture was. Just a lot of people got fired. I don't know why, but it was like we were firing somebody every week. And I, yeah, you're just like, you know, come on. Like, it, well, you almost are just like, like you're kind of almost mad at the person for making you have to bring it up. Right. You know yeah. I, mean? I don't want to talk like, to you about your BL, really? man. Can you just deal with this? Exactly. But, yeah. yeah. You don't smell yourself? Like, really? Like, it's like having kids. Um, I don't know if you ever remember the show Cheers, but there was an episode of Cheers where Norm would start crying and he had to fire people, but he would get all sad and start crying. And so they would actually feel bad for him. And so mm -hmm. he became the grim reaper of his company, similar to you, where like if he showed up, everyone's like, oh no, oh no, Norm wants to talk to me. That's, that's yep. what you were. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Uh, oh, cool. Well, that's it, man. Those are the five questions. Uh, Taylor, do you have anything you want to pitch right now or plug uh, for your company or for yourself? Yeah, I mean, so our our venues, if you've got listeners in the Phoenix area, we've got Handcut and Pharmacraft. Both of those restaurants are open morning to, to evening and uh, we're taking reservations and they're hopping. Our uh, bars and nightclubs, Whiskey Row in uh, Gilbert, Scottsdale and Nashville are all open and, and hopping. El Jefe in uh, Scottsdale and hopefully soon to be reopened in Chicago soon. Um, you know, if, if anybody wants to go out and support a restaurant, those are good ones to go to. And then I guess, will you be up here when they open Denver? Uh, probably. Yeah, we're slotted to, we have an opening date of, uh, well, I don't actually know. It's a uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, this 2021 uh, is an opening day. I, I don't know if I'll be there for opening day, but I'll definitely be there probably uh, staffing it up in the, the weeks in advance of it. Awesome. Well, great, man. I really appreciate you coming on the Order Up show. Uh, I had a wonderful time chatting with you and I uh, wish you the best of luck. And uh, thank you guys for listening to the Order Up podcast. And we've got some uh, great episodes coming up and uh, we, are, uh, we just really appreciate you guys uh, coming and listening and supporting us. And you guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks.